Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 291. So much of what a coffee bar depends on is good leadership and sure and set direction and trajectory. And you can be a great barista and bounce around as a superstar barista or something from job to job, cafe to cafe. But in the end, that's not really doing anything for the industry. That's just more or less doing something for your ego. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you tired of placing orders after a long day at the restaurant only to have them come in wrong on the day of delivery? Perhaps you're still doing inventory with paper and pencil. Maybe the sound of cutting labor costs is appealing. If you're interested in five times fewer order returns, two times faster order placements, and $2 saved on labor costs for each order, then you've got to head over to www.bluecard.com and sign up today. Many thanks and happy ordering from Blue Cart. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chris DeFerio. Chris, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today, dude. I am feeling unstoppable. (laughs) Yes. Uh, All right. 16 years of experience as a barista, trainer, USBC competitor, competition creator, Writer, consultant, and manager have been good to Chris DeFerio. Along the way, he has picked up some key tips and insights into the fundamental elements of what it takes to run a thriving and successful cafe. Today, Chris serves as shop operations manager for, for uh, Suttergoss Coffee. Did I say that correctly? You absolutely did. Good job. In uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, when he's not... In the cafe, he's sharing what he's learned about the business at defurious.wordpress.com. So this is just a huge aerial view of who you are, Chris, what you're all about, uh, and you know, clearly passionate about the cafe industry. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away, man. Well, I've really been into the book Mindset by uh, Carol Dweck, uh, Dr. Carol Dweck. And one of the things that she says in that book is uh, to be intrigued by mistakes, enjoy effort, and keep on learning. And I think that rings true for me, especially uh, recently. So that's that's what I have. Dude, let's really dive into that getting intrigued by mistakes. What do you think she means by that? Well, I think mistakes, like being intrigued by mistakes is, uh, I I don't want to call it brave necessarily, but it does require you to have an honest assessment of of yourself. Mm. 
that is somebody who is able to move past a mistake and take an observer's viewpoint of it and and ultimately learn from it and do better next time. Mm-hmm. So by being intrigued, you're taking yourself you're not taking it personally. You're actually studying it almost as if it wasn't you who made the mistake at all. Yeah. yeah. And it gives you some freedom. I like it, man. I like it. And when I hear that quote, when I'm thinking about being intrigued by mistakes, it doesn't necessarily have to be your mistake. It just could be any mistake, any mishap. And when that happens, ask yourself, why did this happen? And that's what successful people do in this industry. If, if things didn't go right, why didn't they go right? And let's fix the problem and, and make it better for tomorrow. Uh, I love this, dude. Great stuff. Um, so let's find out more about you. So why, why are you in this industry? What's your purpose? What's your why? What drives you, man? Well, uh, why I'm in the industry, I think ultimately is that I really love the coffee bar experience. I love the coffee shop. Um, I've always been, uh, centered in my career has been in coffee shops since the beginning. Um, I was a customer in a shop that really turned me on to, the scene and I just decided at an early age to just do coffee for a living and I uh, kept doing it and then here I am. Um, what drives me I think is the more I do this, the more I see the importance of the retail experience in, um, in the chain of the supply chain of coffee. You know, you've got growers, uh, people producing great coffee uh, in uh, countries uh, that we get our coffees from, Colombia, uh, Kenya, Ethiopia, you name it. And uh, then we have the importers and roasters. And when that coffee, that product makes it into the hands of the ones preparing it, uh, just like any ingredient into the hands of a, a chef, um, you are responsible for representing that product to the people who make that product or demand that product's uh, existence. And so I think it's a real high calling to be in a position of um, seeing a product through to its final iteration. And I think that's what drives me. And all the little things around it, all the uh, outliers that affect a customer's perception of quality, those are great things for a manager to be aware of and to be um, fascinated by as, as they grow in their career. Interesting stuff, man. So it sounds like you're really just driven by the the craft, the art of the work you do, and uh, you seem to be really intrigued. There's that word again with all the the different variables that come into play to really create that experience for the guests. Uh, I love it. So how did you talk us through you getting into the industry and uh, what that experience was like? Was it just a for now job? And when did you know that it was going to be a career? Well, uh, I think when I knew it was going to be a career, it was pretty much right when it happened. Um, and so I take, can't tell take us you, through that. Take us through that experience. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you why I thought this, but way back in the day, I was 19 years old. Not 19, I'm sorry. I was like 21. Um, I'm 38 now. And I was uh, going to a college. It was a uh, ministry school out in Arkansas uh, that's no longer there, but there was a coffee shop there that I would go to often. And when I went there, I just would journal, you know, I'd read and drink a lot of coffee. And I really enjoyed that part of the the coffee industry. Um, Wait, be, be specific. What part, what do you mean you enjoyed that part? What's that part? 
just the consumer part, the the part that takes in everything that others have offered you, the music, the um, the service, the coffee itself, uh, the seating, the art. Um, so the complete experience, all the variables that are there that you might not typically pay attention to, you are really focusing on all the details. Yeah, all the details that I, I would assume any operator would hope that their customers pick up on. Okay. You know, maybe I wasn't picking up on some things, but what I did pick up on, I liked. So um, I was in a place where I wanted to, I needed to decide what to do with my life. And so I, I, uh, after graduating the the school, I really didn't uh, have any job prospects and I was going to either choose to pursue some kind of a, a trade or I didn't know what. And one day sitting at my desk, um, where I, where I worked at the time, which was at the school I had just graduated from. Um, I just thought I'm going to do coffee Nice. and literally that was just it. And at that point I started Google searching coffee and drinking coffee at my desk and reading, um, blogs about coffee and going to, at that time back in, uh, 2000, uh, it was back in the year 2000. Um, there was, there were groups online like, um, forums for coffee geeks and, uh, people that were just real enthusiastic, but weren't professionals. And I quickly got a job in coffee, uh, in that area. Uh, and promptly got fired actually, because I was, I was passionate about coffee, but I, I, I had no experience. Um, <laughs> and, Years later, I, I, you know, now as a manager, I, I could look back at who I was at the time and think, man, I, I think I probably would have fired me too. I don't, I'm pretty let's, sure. Let's go through that. Uh, <laughs> what, what happened? So you, you were passionate about coffee, but what were you lacking at that time 16 years ago that made you not a good fit for the industry? Well, I, I think, uh, first of all, I was lacking uh, functional skill and the thing that the employer would value, which is uh, to say I valued um, I valued the coffee industry. I was fascinated by it, but when, but the operators, the owners wanted their drinks to go out fast. Mm. They wanted dishes to be done fast. They wanted, um, people to do the closing checklist well. And I think my passion for coffee made me think that maybe I was doing those things. <laughs> well, um, again, this is my first coffee job. Um, and from their perspective, I was just kind of stinking up the place. Okay. So um, I think it's sort of the same problem that we all have our whole professional lives. And that is we don't know what we don't know. Mm. And we're just higher functioning versions of that as we go forward. Right. Yep. So I'm <laughs> useful to the industry now, but I'm just I'm ignorant in so many areas that I have yet to realize. I'm curious that experience of being passionate for the coffee, the product, uh, and not really having the, the skill, the, uh, experience of working in a coffee shop. Does that make you more empathetic or sympathetic? I guess would be the right word with people that now you train, uh, who have the passion for the, 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 um, the, um, you know, what's the word, uh, the craft, uh, but don't necessarily get the the job the 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 skills you need to be successful at the craft. Yeah, I think first of all, um, 
one of the things it does for me is it makes me want to be a better teacher mm. and it makes me want to be a better selector of, uh, of people. Um, if, uh, you have hired somebody with a knowledge that they have no experience, mm-hmm. you better have an onboarding program that helps them become mm. useful or you're kidding yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're not just going to magically get it. Um, now, if they have worked in the industry before and you know that you're hiring somebody uh, with experience and that experience is uh, you, you feel like it's useful, then it's a completely different onboarding experience. Um, you might have to unlearn some things. You might put them to use right away. Um, in either case, I think I could sum it up by saying as an operator and the one who hires or one of the ones who hires, you have to know not just who you're hiring, but how you're going to uh, welcome them and show them hospitality as your new employee in, in your space. And I, and I think I'm right there with uh, Danny Meyer. Uh, of course, we all know uh, his book, setting the table, which we go through chapter by chapter with, with our managers. Um, talking about hospitality and care primarily first uh, for our staff and the people that we're arm in arm with in, in the front lines of, of service. Um, and, and then that bleeds over to, and it, it sort of uh, welcomes in the customer into that experience. I find that to be very, very true. Absolutely, man. I, I want to kind of continue on this journey of your career. We talked about how you had the first experience, how it didn't work up, but you learned a lot from that experience. What did you do to bounce back? I mean, how did you get back on the pony after kind of getting crushed and getting kicked out the door? Well, I uh, again, I was, I was, I would say I was more or less called into this, and so I didn't really, I didn't really doubt it so much. I, I really thought. I, I was upset. I was bewildered. Um, and, and back at the, uh, the school, there was a gentleman whose family had, um, owned restaurants and oh, I apologize for that. That's all right, man. I'll start, I'll start that over. Um, just roll with it, dude. Things, yeah, life so, happens. <laughs> it's yeah. all right. No big so, deal. Well, anyway, back, you know, back in the, um, Back at the ministry uh, school, the encouraged me that hiring, getting fired from a place is no sign. It's not like this omen on your career. And he encouraged me that it's it's just something you have to deal with. And it, as simple as that advice sounds, the simplicity of that reaction to something that I was maybe overreacting to um, really gave me heart that it wasn't the the end of a career. It was just a part of what was inevitably going to be a a long journey Mm -hmm. and uh, an exploration. Okay. So, yeah. So let's talk about your evolution as a professional. You are now the uh, operations or shop operations manager for uh, Center Goss. How did you get to that point and and how have you evolved? And let's just talk about, you know, um, you and the steps you took to get to where you are. Well, um, after that point, what I, what ended up happening was I just, uh, I moved back home after nine 11. Uh, there was, you know, the, so much stuff happening then. And, uh, I just moved back home to Syracuse, New York, where I'm from in upstate New York. Um, 
and I got a series of odd jobs where I just was a barista okay. and uh, working at places that were like grocery stores, delis, um, a lot of learning what not to do in, in some cases, okay. um, in a lot of cases. So in a lot of just, you know, being a, a safe environment to be not good in. So if I'm not good as a barista in a place that's not very quality oriented, it's safer to do that mm-hmm. than to like land your dream job and then like not crush it when you're there. Yeah, I hear you. So <laughs> I was working two jobs at the time. Me, uh, well, I was working uh, at the gro- a grocery store coffee bar, uh, and then I took a trip down to Ithaca, New York, uh, where Cornell University is. And happened into a coffee bar named Gimme Coffee, and now they have. Uh, I feel I feel like it's accurate to say three or four shops in Ithaca and two or three in the city in New York, um, but they're based in Ithaca. Uh, well, anyway, back in that day, uh, I walked in there, got some coffee, and it had latte art on it, which latte art is that design that yeah. people put on top of uh, cappuccinos and lattes. And to us at that time in the industry, latte art was the sign that you were in, that you knew how to do it, you know? And so I was really surprised. I was not ex- expecting to see that on the drink. So what year and is I, this now? You're talking you got your start 2000, where were you, were you 2003, this 2004? Is like this is, I okay. think, 2003. And um, I walked out the door and somebody came in who looked official and I thought they were the manager. Uh, or no, she asked me what my drink was. And, uh, I said it was really great, uh, because of this, that, and the other thing about coffee, like, uh, texture of the milk was great, had latte art. Well, she was surprised that I was using industry lingo and turns out she's the, uh, manager for the stores and encouraged me to put an application in, which I did. So I ended up getting hired here, uh, in Ithaca while working in Syracuse. So I ended up doing, um, two jobs, uh, working at the grocery store during the day and then at some, sometimes just at night driving two hours to Ithaca and doing a closing shift and driving back home to do it again the next day because this place to me represented my first real coffee job, mm-hmm. a place that was uh, doing progressive coffee, mm-hmm. uh, doing it as a craft and they were all really passionate about it the way that I was. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to just let, you know, time and space separate me from that. Um, around about that time, I, I started getting involved in competitions. Um, while working at Gimme Coffee, I, I won my first latte art competition in DC. Uh, and that was at Coffee Fest trade shows, um, which was a fantastic uh, boost of uh, confidence for me. And from there, I went on to the next year win again and come in second place a couple of times. Awesome. And somebody who worked in Portland, Oregon with a, a company called Bellissimo, who is now the American Barista and Coffee School. Um, great, great guys out there. My friends, uh, Matt, Bruce Maletto run that place. And they produced the DVD of Latte Art way back in the day. Uh, first of its kind in, in the, the way it was made and so then I was on a DVD for Latte nice. Art, which was really fun. And it's kind of a funny, you know, DVD. It's it's useful. Uh, but we did things like slow motion hero walks and, you know, weird stuff. Yeah, But 
I started competing in other competitions besides latte arts, uh, which were the United States barista competitions, which are now called the United States coffee championships. And I had some success with those too, but I also had real big failures. Uh, my first competition, I went down as an out of region competitor, meaning I couldn't place, but I could compete just to practice. Okay. And the 15 minute competition, uh, mine turned into a 23 minute competition, uh, because I went that far over the time, oh, wow. totally disqualified, uh, broke glasses on stage, didn't serve one of the judges. Uh, it was, it was a fiasco. And, um, I held the record for the longest overtime in competition history <laughs> for quite a long time. Um, I guess it's a, 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 a pot, like a, you know, at least you walked away with some kind of title, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like everyone was so nice about it. I, I was upset. Um, but afterwards I really just buckled down. And about two years later uh, in 2007, I was able to do well enough to place uh, fourth in the United States in Long Beach. And that's, that's kind of the pinnacle of my competition career. I never like really pursued it past that. Um, I got married the next year. My attention was divided between that and a new job. So my, my competition career was basically between Latte Art and the United States Barista Competitions, uh, the United States Coffee Championships. So let's let's pause right here for a second and highlight some things I, that I think are worth mentioning. Is you you got into you got your foot into a door where people took the job seriously, where they this was a craft and people respected the craft, and you saw that as an opportunity, and you brought you brought it, you you took it, you know, you, you stepped it up a level, and uh, you you didn't mess up that opportunity. I think when we are working as professionals. We get our foot in the door of, of whether it be a restaurant or a cafe, if you're a barista or a cook or uh, a bartender or a, a manager, when you get into the right spot, make the best of it and um, surround yourself with those other passionate people and you will grow as a professional. Uh, just wanted to point that out. And um, let's talk about how you evolved to the next level, because at some point mm-hmm. you started doing consulting and you, you, you really took this management role seriously so uh when did you really step it up and you know put it into the next gear well uh shortly after you know uh, i got married in 2008 and um i I started uh doing competitions i was still doing competitions at the time um but i was just kind of phoning it in at the you know i just because i was so used to competing i thought well i'll just keep competing um you really do have to bring it in focus and uh and I just uh, wasn't able to do it as as well. So um, it, it sort of forced me to look to the cafe again, sort of like returning to where I came from okay. as the the place where I should uh, where I should really invest my time and energy. Um, the real the real experience of serving people, the real experience of of being behind the counter and working with people who are serving people too. And I think that's where consulting came from is I had some success in competition. I had some success in barista work and, um, people were asking me questions because I, I represented a, um, a knowledge base that they wanted. So I just started, um, taking odd jobs here and there. Um, 
it was never anything really full time. It was just maybe three or four times a year. You would do a couple of training gigs, sometimes with uh, the American Barista and Coffee School in Portland. Um, other times it would be through just private contract work. Um, but all of the through through all that time, I was still working in cafes, okay. and that's why it was always part time. And to this day, um, even though now in my role I don't do consulting anymore. Um, I want to be rooted in the cafe experience because I feel like that's where that's where it's happening and that's where you know uh, you have the best knowledge of the industry from there. Um, and that's where my heart is. So what I did after that was uh, I went to I lived in Indiana for a time, uh, started briefly started a coffee school with a few people, and then we all went separate ways. So it was really brief. All right, timestamp this. Where are we now? We're in 2000 and uh, believe 2012. Okay, so fast forward. Yeah, well, it could have been maybe a, it's all kind of a blur for me these days. I understand. To be honest. So uh, after that dissolved, my wife and I moved back to New York and I got a job as uh, basically aware of a lot of hats as kind of a de facto manager, trainer, quality control uh, for cafes at uh, Cafe Kubal in Syracuse, New York, where my friend Matt, uh, Matt Goddard is the owner and worked there for three years, just, you know, working a lot of hours, uh, just having the privilege of seeing that store grow from a um, 900 square foot or a 350 square foot space to um, like four stores in this, in the city of Syracuse. And it was really fascinating to be a part of that and really a great experience that has taught me a lot. Um, There was a time though, uh, I moved beyond control work because it is, I'm just, and really I started to get to this point where I was going to be doing a lot of work, you know, being taken away from the bars, the bar scene, uh, the coffee bar scene really wasn't what I wanted to do, but I was more interested and fascinated with the management side of things. Okay. Having seen cafe, having seen cafes just, um, rise and fall and coming to a realization over these years of, of doing coffee that so much of what a coffee bar depends on is good leadership and sure and set direction mm-hmm. and trajectory. And you can be a great barista and bounce around as a superstar barista or something from job to job, cafe to cafe. But in the end, that's not really doing anything for the industry. That's just more or less doing something for your ego. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to do that, even though I felt, you know, part of what I had been doing to that point was, was that. Um, so, so I took a job in management here in Senegas uh, because it, it, it became available. Well, I'll, I'll describe how it happened. Um, I have a friend named Jesse Harriet who runs a roastery out of uh, the Ithaca area now named Copper Horse Coffee. Uh, Fantastic uh, guy, fantastic business. And he used to do the job of roasting here at Centergoss Coffee in Louisville um, and management. He wanted to start his own company, 
So he was going to move back to New York where I had met him originally. And so as we talked about where I was in my career and he was talking about where he was in his career, it became apparent that we, you know, he could be vacating a job that I could fill. Mm. And so what happened is essentially I, I embarked on like a, a eight or nine month interview process with center Goss to take on the job of cafe operations manager. Okay. And, uh, back in, uh, 2014 in June, uh, packed up my, my wife and my four month old son and we drove down and moved to Kentucky. Okay. And that is uh, how I got down here to Kentucky. Awesome. All right, so I want to know uh, when this all started to, um, I guess, you know, the big picture, when it clicked. Like, if, if you could just reflect on the big aha moments, the big takeaways of how you evolve as a professional, as a uh, director of operations or shop operations, what are the biggest lessons? If you, like, narrow it down to, like, say, three big lessons, you already talked about leadership and a sense of direction as being a big lesson, but what are the other key components that we need to be successful in a food and beverage operation, whether it be a cafe or a restaurant? Well, I'm going to assume that most of us, uh, most of the people listening to the show would consider themselves to be leaders in some way or another or aspiring leaders. Um, so I'll speak to that. And that is, um, you, first of all, can lead from where you are. You don't have to wait for a position to open up for you to be a leader. Mm. Um, you don't have to become uh, a manager of a cafe to manage yourself well. Um, and then become a better manager for doing that when you do get the official title. Um, that that's something that I think I've learned. I think the other the secondary is to uh, I think the word I'm looking for here is is meek to be meek, which is like strength under control. Like if you have power. And you have authority as uh, let's say you're now a leader. Let's say you're in charge of people who answer to you. You tell them what to do. And if they don't do it right, you have to coach them to do it correctly the next time. Um, I like what the guys at the uh, manager tools podcast uh, talk about when they talk about role power, there's, there's role power that you have. And there's this big sign on your forehead that says I can fire you. And so if, you don't realize that and don't walk with that knowledge that people view you differently, you can tend to trample people without even realizing it. So the second thing I would say about leadership for people is be aware that your authority carries with it a lens that distorts people's image of you and you are going to always have to fight against that by showing excessive amounts of empathy and deference to people's uh, well-being. You can't just assume that they think the best about you. And that's not to say that they won't, but I think it's a best practice to really be sure on your end that you're above reproach in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe the third third thing is – Stay, try to stay in, you have to try to stay in touch with what fascinates you about the industry, no matter 
what level you're at. Because when you think that this is kind of um, trite to say, I think a lot of people must, must say this, but you can't have it figured out. Um, so if you think you have it, you're wrong. It's, it's literally impossible for you to figure it out. Mm. You, there is no possible way for any one person. They can figure it out to the point where they can impress people who haven't, but they know <laughs> and we know they have not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so, what, that, I mean, that's where I am. Just summarizing real quick that the three major things you, you – that the big takeaways for you in your career is you got to lead uh, from no matter where you are. And I love that. You know, If you want to become a leader, if you want to get to the top, it starts – it doesn't happen someday. It happens now. And that attitude of leading from where you are is what's going to get you – places that's what's going to get you ahead so that's great mentality to have um and then having excessive amounts of empathy and really knowing that like people aren't going to just assume that you care for them you really have to show them you care i love that uh and i kind of want to dive into that a little bit more but the last one is just staying in touch and always sharpening the sword you know always learning always pushing yourself because there's never going to be a point in your career where you know everything man i love it so let's go back to that second point you made which is uh you know uh, not assuming that people don't assume you have their back. Uh, <laughs> did I say that correctly? So you get what I'm saying. So, so what are some yeah. of the things we can do uh, to uh, make sure people know that we're, we're on their side and to have that empathy and to develop that trust and rapport? Uh, yeah, great, great question. Um, I think first we have to be aware of how we come across Um I've always said that uh, marriage is a, a great tool for this because um, you have somebody who views you on a regular basis or if you're in a relationship at all with anybody that's that's deep. You're in high demand <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Don't worry. Um, the, I think the biggest, the biggest thing is um, – Figuring out how to give me one sign. I'm so sorry. Don't worry about it. So the, yeah, the question about um, how you come across. So if if you have people around you who are willing to tell you the truth, and usually that comes from people that are in a just honest relationship with you, a deep relationship that can tell you how you come across. Knowledge of self is one of the first ways that you can uh, figure that out. Um, you, you can know I come across as angry at, and I don't feel like I am angry. So th- you know, like, this is my problem. I'm speaking specifically of myself. Like when I'm thinking I'll, I'll look pissed. Right. So if I'm thinking a lot and I could be thinking about, you know, something like how can I really be great to these uh, people that work, uh, here at the shop, they could be looking at me thinking about that and think, Oh my gosh, that guy has you know, got something wrong. Um, I have to be aware of that. And it sounds kind of like, Oh, uh, it's okay. Just, you know, toughen up. But I think assumptions that people make about you will determine whether or not they receive your correction. Well, so if you're concerned about whether or not somebody is going to follow your advice on a, uh, SOP for your cafe or your restaurant in a, um, when you're not there, you, you got to know that they, uh, you have rapport with them to the, to the effect that, uh, they are 
going to do that because they respect you. Mm. Uh, and they, that respect comes from forthcoming communication. Um, you know, one of the values that we have at Synergos is forthcoming communication. And that means we don't let things fester. We just make our, we let our minds be known in a, in a way that, uh, it leaves no stone unturned. So, yeah, I think, I think that's what I mean by that is get, get to know yourself well enough to know how you come across and then give room for people to be able to give you feedback without repercussion. Um, so if somebody tells you something about your uh, de- demeanor or I don't feel like I can talk to you or something like that, um, you can't just say, well, what do you mean? I'm really approachable. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you have to create a safe environment for uh, communication or else people just keep it to themselves. So what do you do uh, to create that environment? What are the, the steps you should go through to make sure that that is something uh, that, that, you know, there's no replicate or I'm um, sorry, what, what are the words you use? Uh, repercussions. Uh, reper- yeah. Repercussions for uh, speaking your mind. Yeah. I think one of the things that we do is we, Basically, um, we meet with each of the staff members uh, on a regular basis um, to encourage them to get off of their minds what's on their minds. Mm. Um, That's part of the role of management is to be engaged. Um, This is one of those things that uh, I think Gallup organization uh, promotes to be able to be high engage, high engagement uh, and – was it highly engaged and productive, something like that? Well, engagement is one of those key factors that is uh, uh, missing from a lot of workplaces because we just expect people to, we bark an order and they, we say something, we expect them to follow it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I know, you know, maybe this isn't right because I haven't been deeply involved in the, the world of, of cooking, but in the world of restaurants, what, what I hear people say a lot is that exists maybe more so than in coffee. Um, and it exists in coffee too. The thing is, is that you can just surround yourself with sycophants, just people who want to please you. Mm-hmm. And they could be lower quality employees, but they jump when you say jump into you, that's a metric of success. And I, and I think that's a shame because you could be throwing out so much talent on the basis of them and their response to something that you said, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you could be letting one of your best, uh, employees that you would have ever had go out the door because you couldn't, um, see that you needed to be more empathetic or you needed to be more open to their feedback. Um, so I, I, I would consider people in the management of people and their well-being the top priority for anybody in leadership ever. You don't ever um, stop learning about the people that you have working for you, no matter how long they work for you. Um, you that That is like 80% of your job, in my opinion. Yeah. And it all comes down to how they feel valued and how much you know, directly relates to how much value they add 
to the company. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the biggest lessons, you know, trying to put words, trying to, you, you spend so much time stu- studying success, successful people, the, how they act, how they behave, what they do. And one of the biggest lessons for me that I picked up on is it's about impact. It's about leaving an impact, whether it be with your guests or with your employees, but making an impact. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is instead of having a bunch of really good relationships, have few really amazing relationships and organically over time um that impact will spread laterally and it it, does that make sense oh yeah absolutely um and you know if you can't be engaged with all of the employees that work for you you need to find people who represent leadership in the company to be involved with those people Mm -hmm. have present leadership within the organization. So for copy bars, one of the things that happens, for instance, um, is you'll have people who get, uh, they open a coffee bar and they're present all the time. And then they get a manager or they, they get um, a shift lead or something. And then they're not there as much. Um, and everybody works in the daytime. So then the closers come in and the closers don't have anybody who represents uh, the vision or the leadership or the original um, values in eyesight or, or no off the cuff conversations, not the benefit of that present leadership. And so what happens is you get these factions, mm. you know, openers versus closers. It's like, uh, you know, back of house versus front of house for coffee bars. Um, and, and so I hate that because both play such a vital role and it's up to the people who are in the, uh, the management to come up with systems that support the uh, giving of care to all the people who work there. Mm. And part of that giving of care is to put people close to the source of what gives life to the business. And I think that's the vision. That's the, mm-hmm. uh, that's the uh, standards that you set for people because people want to do a good job. Yeah. And just how everything like ties together too. people, if they know they're supposed to do something, but they don't know why they're supposed to do it. Just taking that time to explain, Hey, this is the reason why. So in the morning, when the, the morning folks come in, uh, this, it's going to be set up this way for them or vice versa. Like sometimes when people just get, under, they, they get the understanding of why things happen, not just do these things be, because I said, so uh, that mm-hmm. helps, you know, that, 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 you know, it makes the bridge of communication wider. Uh, and when you, when you do that and everybody's on the same page and I think just, does that kind of tie into what you're saying? Oh yeah. 100%. Um, I think that the why, like the, the classic, uh, the, you know, Simon Sinek, uh, start with why, Mm -hmm. uh, book and, uh, Ted talk is, is critical for people to, uh, read and uh, listen to. And, you can also you can also s- stop there too. That's that's the thing is a lot of people in leadership are uh, guilty of kind of banging the drum, but at the expense of you know the second string violins. You know they're 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 considering themselves to be visionaries and they're leaders and they're change makers and all this other stuff, and that's fine. But you know. I forget who said this. He's one of the guys, um, John Shook. He is a, a practitioner and advocate for the Toyota production system and lean management. Um, he says, and I love this, uh, we don't need more leaders. We need more managers. Mm. And in, in, by definition, what he means is leadership 
the necessity of more leadership is because of a lack of management. Um, management, by definition, includes being a good leader, but it also has a uh, very strict metrics for success in in uh, accounting and finance and also in um, things that need to be done for the functionality of facilities and people's schedules. Where you see companies in trouble is mostly because of the lack of good management. Mm. And so somebody has to come in and shake things up, but then once they buck the status quo, they reestablish it with what's going to be their future status quo. They have to have somebody to manage that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're in this vicious cycle of changing everything. You you can Uh, even say that that's a lack of systems, processes, procedures, because really at the core of what a manager does, it's it's their job to know the operation and then to train mm-hmm. and to and, you know teach the operation. But you as the owner or as the leader have to create those systems, processes, procedures for the managers to then take and implement. So as you know, it's like yeah. the same thing. You need that structure you, you, in structure. I mean, management is to, you know, structure in systems and processes as leader is to visionary and uh, purpose and culture. You know? Oh, absolutely. Culture is a huge one. Um, culture is, you know, any any service environment is made up of uh, two cultures that intersect, and that is the culture of the one consuming that they bring in. So the, the vibe that a restaurant or a cafe has is made up partly of the clientele and their desires and, you know, their their culture. And then the other part is the staff and the leadership. And when the two meet is when culture really forms. And uh, you, as the both of them listen to each other and form a trusting relationship, that's when you see really great cultures happening. That's when you see dynamic uh, growth in an organization where people will say things like, this is the best job I ever had. Or um, I really miss working at this place because I just it felt like family but it wasn't the kind of it felt like family meaning we never did any work we just you know like uh took took shots and you know eight day old baked goods or something uh you could be really busy and be doing a great job and feel like family because you're all in this one ship together uh making a great product doing a great job and the reason why culture can exist the reason why families can have traditions and, and things like that is because there is a structure in place. Mm. Um, awesome. I, I will go home to a home and in that home, there will be things that take place that will form memories. And those are traditions and culture. The culture of my home is facilitated by where those things take place. And so if I don't manage it properly though, I'm cutting off, uh, I'm, I'm cutting off the supply eventually somewhere down the road of of uh what it takes to have a a great culture awesome love it man uh we've gotten a lot of great advice from you up to this point Uh, beautiful stuff we gotta get a quick failure a time where you fell hard on your ass chris take us through that failure and uh how you're better now because of it uh gosh i'm where to where to go from there i mean there's (laughs) there's a few uh, okay, so here's here's one, and this is back when I worked at Gimme Coffee, um, and this is a fantastic company. Uh, and I was a young trainer, um, and I was full of myself. Admittedly, I was, you know, I was a competition barista. 
Um, and, and, you know, one of the only competition baristas. And so I had been given authority as a trainer and I was young. So this is very dangerous. Um, I would come into the shop sometimes with a clipboard and I had on that clipboard a list of things that the baristas were expected to do, like, uh, tamping the coffee, uh, level, um, steaming milk within a certain temperature. I had all this whole litany of things that, you know, if they met these things, they're great baristas, right? So I would go in during a rush unannounced. I would just go in and I would lurk. I would just sit there and, and watch and fill out the form. And, and then I sometimes would just nitpick things while they were in the middle of the rush. Mm. And so right away, if I, if I had somebody doing that to me, um, cause I, of course I didn't because I was the trainer. <laughs> so, you know, you can't be really empathetic cause you're not experiencing it for yourself. I would be pissed. I would be thinking, go, go after yourself, dude. Like get the hell out of here. Yeah, like we're in the middle of this rush and you're taking notes. Go oh. pick something up to help a customer. Like whose team are you <laughs> on? That's what I would be thinking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and so, uh, you know, God bless these guys because, um, and I, you know, I know a lot of them still to this day, they're in different places in the industry and they didn't hold it against me necessarily. But one, one, one gal, she was a uh, English tutor at Cornell and she wrote this three page review of me to the ownership. Um, and I was called in, I was shown this and it was very well written and scathing. And nobody can really rake you over the coals than as somebody who is a uh, a college English tutor. Um, <laughs> so it was embarrassing. I was defensive about it for a long time. Um, but, you know, up until maybe a year ago, I think I threw it out a year ago, I've kept that. I've kept it in my drawer of my desk. Can you share uh, that with me? Can I post that with this episode? Would that oh, be the- <laughs> I don't have the note. I don't oh. have the note anymore. Um, I've moved past it uh, because I know what it says because I've read it so many times. But I read it. I read it because I knew that this is who I was without balance okay. as a professional, awesome. without the experience that I have now. And I don't want to return to that. But we all have the ability in us to really piss people off, to be full of ourselves and it's good to know that that's always this latent possibility in your, in your profession. And don't think that you're above it because when at least expect it, when you get comfortable, it could come back to bite you yeah, and others. I, I love that you've, uh, you know, you said over for a period of time, you were kind of, you know, sensitive about it or kind of angry about it. But I love that you've now been able to look at this and go, wow, she got, she got me, you know, like uh, I, she was right. And I think that's a, says a lot about your maturity as a professional and um, something we can all do. You know, sometimes we get called out and sometimes we should stop and think to ourselves, what, what angle are they coming from? Are they right? And maybe I should be listening instead of getting defensive and really take this as a learning opportunity. So beautiful mm-hmm. stuff, man. Um, We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. To all you restaurants, owners, and managers, I have a question for you. How are you communicating to place and receive orders? If you're still using email, fax, paper, and pencil, and you're tired of errors and the stress that comes with it, listen up, because I have a solution for you. 
Blue Cart, a back of house ordering application for the hospitality industry, is a one stop shop for all of your back of house needs. Find yourself returning too many orders? Blue Cart users see five times fewer returns. Find yourself spending way too much valuable time placing orders? Blue Cart users place orders in half the time. Ever notice being way overstocked in inventory? Get this the Blue Cart app reduces waste by over 50 percent. Maybe you've hired a staff member just to handle your ordering needs. Blue Cart will save you $2 for every order you place. How many orders do you place a week? Cha-ching! Sign up today at www.bluecart.com and upgrade the restaurant supplier relationship today. Many thanks and happy ordering from Blue Cart. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy to access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. All right, we are back. And the first question I have for you, Chris, is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? I would say reflection and self-editing. Okay. What do you mean by that? Uh, What I mean by that is the ability to uh, reflect on what just happened and keep what's good and edit out the things that uh, you don't want for the for the next time. Um, I'm not perfect at that, and never will be. But um, I hope to have higher degrees of execution in that. Um, uh, there was a quote. I have no idea where it's from, uh, but it's on my desk, <laughs> and it says, "Take take complete control of your learning and growth." And we have more power than we realize in terms of how uh, we mature as professionals. Um, and we can blame shift, which is one of my weaknesses, uh, is I can easily blame my surroundings and circumstance. But, I mean, you, there are plenty of uh, evidences out there to prove that it is just not that at all. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to make it uh, a thing or not a thing. I love it. What is your biggest uh did I just ask this? Yeah. Wait. You just gave me your biggest weakness, right? Now your biggest strength. I, I did. I, yeah. I think I jumped ahead with the weakness. Maybe I have too many weaknesses. I can name another <laughs> one. Hold and, on. I'm gonna. <laughs> the your biggest strength is reflection and self editing, and your weakness is um you said uh 
blame thing. Blaming. Okay, so you you kind of just answered the next question. Yeah. Uh, you can ask it again if you'd like, <laughs> and, and I can just answer it the same way. Yeah. So, what is your biggest weakness then? Well, my biggest weakness is blame shifting. Uh, just circumstantially speaking, like when things go wrong, my natural tendency, for whatever reason, is to uh, look and see whose fault it is. But okay. you know, I'm I'm suspiciously low on the list of people who are to blame for what happened. Uh, knowing that now helps me to put the top for why it happened, um, because I can't control other people, and the first person I can control is myself. Um, and really, the only one. So there it is. Got it, man. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? I would say, um, yeah, leading others is to engage engage them with genuine care. And if you can't, then don't lead them. Mm, I love it. Uh, yeah. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during an interview? Okay. Actually, it's, it's uh, one of the questions that you ask me, um, it, but put a different way. And I like to ask a question of, um, okay, so we'll start with a negative. Uh, I'll ask somebody, what, how in your last job did you contribute to the dysfunction or problems? In what way did you further those things okay. in, this, in the company? So for me, that's important because, like I said, with blame shifting, I can look at the circumstance and I say, well, management was bad or, or um, you know, people didn't understand coffee, so I had to leave and find a real job, and that's why I'm here, to get a job with you. Um, so the, the thing that I want to hear people talk about is, a genuine reflection of, man, I had a tendency to like, like just phone in the last half of the checklist for closing, for instance. And it was such a problem and, or I was, I was, I was late, but I got, got it under control, but it was always a struggle. I don't care what they say almost, unless there's like, they rob the place or something. Uh, the thing that I care about is that they know themselves well enough to own how, they fail and they can do that right up into the point where they, they think it might damage their chances of getting a job with us. But to them being honest is more important. That's, that's my awesome. assumption from that. I love that question. I've and never heard one. That's my, awesome. You know, I, it, it has, uh, we've dodged a couple of bullets that way. The other one is a positive, a more positive spin. And that is, somebody who is aware of their surroundings uh, in the cafe. Well, we, we usually have uh, interviews in the cafe. Uh, we'll have multiple interviews with different managers sometimes um, just to get a, a good p- a picture of this individual. And if you see that they're not aware of some of the things going on in the cafe, like um, they're – they don't react to a really loud sounder or some, some spill or something like that. There's a good, good chance that, um, they're, they're not going to do that on the bar. Um, as an individual, they have to be detail oriented. Um, that, and when I see them being detailed oriented and they ask us questions, they have insightful questions for us. 
um, that's that's really a good sign because they're not just there to talk about themselves. They want to know more about us. What is one current challenge you're having in your cafe? Well, one current challenge I, I would say is um, time management for all of us in leadership and uh, narrowing down our, our list of priorities for our daily administrative tasks. Uh, we want people to be completely free when they're on their days off and not take work home with them as much. Um, so one of my challenges is to create a, a system that will help managers know that at the end of the day, they did all the things that they were supposed to do in greater detail uh, for their specific store. And that presents its own challenge because each store is changed so much in the last couple of years. You know, we've been in business for 13 years roasting coffee, and we have three locations now. Each one of them has a different need, a different feel, but they all have the same kind of hospitality and feel. So it's you have to design the system to be fluid, but also rigid in certain areas. And I think that's the biggest challenge. How are you overcoming that? Uh, I, I think just like we said in terms of how you lead people, and that is by engaging them, um, you know, we established manager position about two and a half years ago or so uh, as an official position for the cafes. Um, and the uh, leadership of that position is being formed currently by the people who fill that role. Awesome. And so how it looks for, for us to do that is, Meeting, talking, what are your anxieties? What what could I be doing better as your boss um, to help you accomplish your job more? Um, and assuring people that I'm there to help and they should reach out to me. Uh, these are people who were calling me earlier <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the call here. Um, so I think uh, engagement with the managers in the same way we expect them to engage with their employees and employees with customers. Awesome, man. And uh, one book I'm going to recommend, I think that you would love doing uh, or will love for just efficiencies and systems and to be more productive is uh, Eat That Frog. Maybe you've already uh, read it, but man, I think you'll find some awesome uh, nuggets in there. Um, yeah. So what's, thing, what's one thing aside from uh, food and coffee that your cafe does really well that separates you from other cafes? Um, I would say it's the engagement the 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 person to person engagement one of the things that we get uh, we we have people that come here as employees read through our Yelp reviews as an assignment to find out what people value about the coffee the the company and what they find when they do that is the reviews that people have about the friendliness and the engaging staff that we have that to me is um, the thing that we want it is the thing we do best and it should always be the thing we do best. Awesome. Um, yeah. What is one book that's a must read to become a better person or a better restaurant or cafe owner? One book. Um, gosh, well, besides Danny Meyer setting the table. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. It goes without saying. Um, I would say the, the one book would be to be a better leader. I would say mindset by Carol Dweck. Okay. And the, um, the biggest would, lesson from that book. Well, the biggest lesson from that book is there are things that you that you have developed in terms of uh, your mindset towards success and growth that you are not aware of. 
that are just ingrained in you from your upbringing. And unless you become aware of those things, like uh, for in the book, she talks about having a fixed mindset where failure equals uh, you are a failure or a growth mindset where failure equals another way not to do it, but you can do it better next time because you learned from it and you observed it. And I, I have learned so much about myself through that book. Um, and I, I am going to uh, go through it with uh, the managers next uh, because I'm just so impressed by the timeless lessons that I, I think that it holds. Awesome. That book again is Mindset, the uh, how we can learn to fulfill our potential. And that is uh, on or in audio. Uh, looks like so you can get that book for free today if you don't have an audible account what are you waiting for head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get this book for free and it will change your life listening to books on audio trust me um so the next question i have for you is what is one piece of new technology you've adopted in your cafes that you're seeing uh have an impact on efficiency productivity profitability any one of these things New technology. Oh, um, I don't know. It's not necessarily new technology. Uh, obviously, POS systems have been around for a long time. We we use Square heavily. Uh, you know, we use it as a POS system, but we we really do uh, into the analytics of of Square. Um, we get into that, and we we're, we're always nose deep in our, our numbers and to us that those numbers represent people's increased trust in us as a uh, uh, provider of good coffee and good service. So um, yeah, I would say square, but you know, it's hard because we're not really, we're not really adopting tons of new technology. I just got done with a manager uh, meeting with one of our managers uh, here at uh, our Woodlawn store. And we were both talking about how, um, we're using paper for managing our tasks now and we're not using our phones. Like I liquidated all of my uh, reminders and notes on my phone and I've put them into paper now. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's a bit backwards, but uh, yeah. Why is that? Uh, I would, why did I do that? Yeah. Well, I think you just have to know what's right for you. Mm-hmm. There are certain battles that you, uh, you can fight and win. And for me, overcoming the feeling that my phone is, um, my phone is just too distracting for me. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I, I look at it and I, and I feel like, gosh, this, I know I'm looking at words that represent work that I have to do, but it, it just doesn't feel like it. And if I'm, and if I'm writing things out, it's right there. I can't close that screen on yeah, a page. Yeah, I hear you. That makes sense, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a cool angle. All right. Uh, so with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and uh, give yourself maybe back to 2000 when you're that young uh, buck who is about to get fired from his first cafe job, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? I would say you should get around people who are doing great work and are also patient. Um, find out who the patient, excellent uh, craftspeople are in your industry uh, and then try to get around those people. Find the, you know, basically the people that can teach and the people who know. Mm. Uh, 
and you can get around people who know but can't teach. You can get around teachers who don't know. And if you spend your time around either one of those people, you're going to, you know, not going to be as efficient in your progress as you, you maybe could be. Awesome. If there is one question I could have asked you that would have provided more value to this interview, what would have been? <laughs> um, gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know. Honestly, you've done a great job. Thank you, Chris. And it's been a blast getting to know you, uh, absorbing your advice. And, uh, we are all just a little bit more unstoppable after listening to you. So, uh, let the folks at home know, uh, how can we connect with you if we want to continue the conversation or maybe, uh, we want to check out your work, what you're doing. Maybe you have something coming up on the horizon you want to share as well. Maybe, maybe. Well, (laughs) so you could just uh, generally, my last name, DeFurio, on Twitter, at DeFurio, and um, you can follow me there. I tweet about coffee and other other fun things, uh, not so dense uh, topics necessarily, but I I do have a project uh, on the horizon that um, is really close to launching, and that is a podcast. Uh, Nice. yeah, exactly. A uh, podcast called Keys to the Shop, and that would be at keystotheshop.com. The concept of the show is essentially um, an exploration of coffee shops and cafes and professional development within that space and dealing with issues that come up within you know working in a professional specialty coffee service environment. So about their you know, part part uh, part interview based part um, solo episode so I'm really excited about it awesome I'll have those links in the show notes and I'm excited too man there cannot be enough service industry content out there uh, audio content there needs to be more restaurant mm-hmm. and cafe podcasts yeah. in my opinion there can't be enough so I will be sharing that just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash two ninety one, I believe this is going to be episode 291. I'll have uh, the summary of today's discussion right there, the links to uh, the recommended book and the links to connect with Chris and the link to his new podcast all right there, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 291. And uh, Chris, call somebody out. Who's one cafe professional, maybe a cafe owner you know who just does great stuff, who gets it that you think would be a great guest mentor on the show like you were for us today? Uh, well, I'm going to say that there, there's a cafe in uh, New York City called Everyman Espresso. Ooh. Um, I had I had Simon, I think. Some uh, Everyman. I've had them. On, I think I had them on the show. I can't remember the oh, name. Wow. Name the person you were going to call. It. Maybe it was one of their managers I had on the show. Um, well, I was going to I was going to say Sam. Sam, um, yes, Le- Louis Vuitton or Leviton? Lewontin, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I did have him on the show, man. He was <laughs> awesome. Uh, who else do you have in mind? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm prepared. Let me see. Uh, well, okay, so there is a couple of guys out in Santa Cruz who have just started a new coffee bar. They have a podcast called Cat and Cloud. Uh, their coffee company is called Cat and Cloud Coffee. Um and they just opened their brick and mortar store in Santa Cruz uh, not not a couple months ago. Um, I would recommend them for sure because a lot of the values that I'm talking about on here are, are values I know are shared by Chris Baca and Jared Truby, the owners. Um, 
And you can check out their podcast uh, for to evidence of those types of uh, conversations. So, yeah, definitely uh, check those guys out. They have a lot of great things to say. Super fun uh, guest as well. Awesome. Chris and Jared, look out, man, uh, or guys, I'm coming after you. And also you mentioned that other podcast. Um, I think it was like Manager Tools or something like that. Right. Manager Tools is a very long running podcast uh, in in uh, just management. It's essentially what it says. Um, they're they're really uh, one of the two management podcasts that I listen a lot to. The other one is a great guy uh, called Coaching for Leaders, um, Dave Stahoviak of, Co- of Coaching for Leaders. His podcast is really amazing. I had the opportunity to uh, have lunch with him in California on the last uh, coffee trip I did. Fantastic um, content in both of those podcasts. All right. I'm going to get some a bunch of people on the show after this one, man. I'm going to go after everyone you just mentioned. Uh, okay. Beautiful stuff, dude. I appreciate you taking the time to join us as a guest mentor, man. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Another awesome interview. Thank you so much, Chris DeFerio, for coming on the show. And do support Chris and his new podcast. will be live in just a, a few weeks. I believe he said early January. So uh, by the time this airs, it will be just before Christmas. So uh, side note, Merry Christmas. I probably won't be speaking to you guys again until after Christmas. Uh, but again, that is keys to the shop.com, a new podcast, a leadership podcast, business podcast for cafe owners. And um, can't wait for that to hit iTunes and all the other uh, podcast playing apps. But uh, a lot of great stuff today, guys. And one of the things that really stood out to me the most today is that idea of leading from where you are. Listen, uh, leadership isn't a title. It's, it's something that's earned and it, it can get you titles. It can get you ahead in life, but you need to, to be a leader. Now lead from where you are, do things in your life now that you would expect yourself to be doing when you have that leadership title as a a manager or owner. And when you start just doing those things now, that's when opportunities will start presenting themselves to you. You know, be the first person to show up, be the hardest worker, be the person that's not afraid to get on their hands and knees and just scrub behind the sink or behind the, 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 you know, scrub the grease off the back of the fry. When you see something that needs to be done, do it. Lead now, lead from where you are, and that's when your life will start changing. I love that idea uh, that he shared with us. And then also, um, I I love how he shared the whole idea of uh, when you take on a leadership role, a management role, you are carrying a filter upon which people see you. That's going to distort your image. Uh, It's going to be – this image isn't going to be an image that necessarily – you want it's going to be an image of distrust or you know that's the enemy and he's looking out for the business not for us and you've got to combat that uh that image by being overly sensitive by being overly empathetic by being or communicating to the extreme and listening to the extreme you've got to make up for that distortion that this lens is giving you and you have to have that in the back of your head all the time and People are going to be hypersensitive to, to what you do and what you say and how you do things. So just know that that lens is on you, that distort that, that distortment is on you at all times and compensate for it at all times. Great stuff today. Loved it. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, like always, guys, please do connect with me. You can connect with me via email, Eric with a C, at restaurants 
unstoppable.com. Facebook slash restaurants unstoppable. Twitter at Eric Cacciatore. And uh, I'm really going to make an effort to be more uh, present on Instagram as well. So at uh, restaurants unstoppable. Uh, and the best way, the way I enjoy uh, or the, 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 the way you can connect with me that gives me the most pleasure personally is during those 15-minute one-on-one communication, that, those one-on-one chats. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one or just go to restaurantunstoppable.com. You'll find the banners there to, to sign up for those conversations. And that's how I can really, truly connect with you guys. Um, find out where the pain is. You can tell me where you're, you're, you're struggling. I'll get somebody on the show who can answer your problems. Or maybe I had somebody on the show who can come back or maybe I'll just direct, you know, directly connect you to that person. Your net worth is your network. And here's the thing. I've interviewed over almost 300 people now. So I know the people that can help you. I am more than happy to connect to you. I love connecting people. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the things that gives me the most joy in life when I can connect two people who will benefit from that connection. Uh, it's, there's no better feeling. So, you know, take advantage of it. I'm here for you. I, I love doing those things. Uh, that's all I have today, guys. Thanks so much for sticking around this long. Merry Christmas. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon before the new year. Peace out.